experience of having a superficial box-to-box -box conversation and relationship. I am sure you have that experience, and I'm sure you also have the experience of something more intimate than that, more uh, less restricted than that's, that's uh, allowed by your box. I'm sure you have that. So that's where we're going with this. To avoid being discovered as a sham, as a fake thing, the box prevents you from experiencing true intimacy. And that's why we're studying this. This is why, that's why this is so important. You are not your box. You will never have a conflict again with another human being. You will see that any conflict that arises is not your conflict. It is your box's conflict. It is a box-to-box -box conflict. And your box does not have a conflict with the other person as a being. Your box has a conflict with the other person's box. Just because your box has a conflict with another person's box does not mean that you have to have a conflict with them. This is so powerful. This is, this is actually magical. The distinction between you and your box is a paper thin sliver of light that creates freedom of movement between you and your box. This frictionless gap means that you need never take an action dictated to you by your box. Your box can be freaking out and you don't have to freak out. You can, you can tell I do this regularly. I go, my box is freaking out about this. And, and people experience me, me not freaking out. And they see, they know something is up. They know something's going on. I go, yeah, what's up is my box is just in panic. My box is pissed off. My box is freaking out. Yeah. And it does that three or four times a day. Just let it do this thing, you know? Here, I'm, I'm here, just let it, it's like a monkey over there in a cage or something, <laughs> doing this thing and go, there it goes again. So this gap means that you need never take an action that's dictated to you by your box, meaning your box can say, don't let him do that, you have to say this, watch out, run away, protect yourself, attack, attack, um, um, defend, like, um, be small, don't say anything, shut up. Your box will give you ongoing instructions to, to do all this stuff. And if you don't have this tiny little gap between you and your box, then it will say something and you will do it. It will drive, it will, it will put some, some emotion, it'll trigger some emotion into your, into your bloodstream and you will, have, you will be full of, you'll be full of, of uh, uh, reactivity, you'll be full of all kinds of, um, uh, hormone, you know, rage or sadness or depression. You'll be full of this stuff that is triggered by this story, and then you will you will think it's real, but it's just your box 
doing its thing, trying to protect you, trying to keep things the same. So when you have this sliver between you and your box, the box can give you all kinds of instructions and you just kind of go, hmm, thank you for the offer. Hmm, okay, I'm, thanks, but not this time. Thanks, but no thanks. Or just hang on there. I'm gonna try something besides that. I know I never did it before, but I'm gonna do something different from that. You know, and just keep your cool, you know, look at, I'll, I'll have, hot dogs and beans for dinner tonight, real ordinary stuff, and, and then your box and gremlin will be happy. And you say, just don't worry about it. Right now, I'm in charge, it's my life. Thank you for your offer, and we'll get back to you. So without that gap, you can't do that. You will just be as mechanical and dead as your box is. So I just wanna read that again, the frictionless gap between you and your box means that you never have to take an action dictated to you by your box. It is just your box doing the box thing. This gives you tremendous freedom of movement. And what is even more exhilarating, freedom of non-movement, meaning you don't have to do what the box is screaming at you to do. You do not have to react anymore. Herein lies the value of thoroughly understanding box mechanics or box technology. We have a website called Box Technology. The study of how boxes work, both internally and relationally. So, so it's, it's important to know, next section, boxes come in layers. A first step in box mechanics or box technology is to notice that boxes come in layers. This means that your life, your family, your profession and your culture can be understood as an intertwined complex of nested boxes. And there's a diagram that shows <clears throat> a series of boxes. So you know people, like you have a box, but you know, if you look at partners, partnerships, other people who are in relationship, you can see these two people have a box. You know, their relationship itself has a box. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Do you get this? The couple has a box. They like this, they don't like that. They do this, they don't do that. They think this, they don't think that. Okay, well, different families have a box. If you go visit a family for a birthday party or uh, some ritual, Christmas time, some holiday, Halloween, every, every family has its own traditions. That's their box. A neighborhood in the city has a box. You can, you can detect people from other neighborhoods. Like for example, Berlin, I was at Berlin. You can just, people of one neighborhood in Berlin, they don't even talk to people in the other neighborhood because they're different class, different, um, they go to different schools, they have different, they come from different nationalities or something. So in one section, there's all these amazing Indian and African restaurants. And in another section, all you get is German food like that. In another section, all you get is this wild Turkish stuff. So. The city has a box. Professions have a box. Religion, philosophy, and political parties, those are all boxes. Race is a box. Culture is a box. Sports teams has a box. Income levels is, has a box. There's uh, gender has a box. What age you are in has a box. The continent you come from has a box. And even, the planet, the entire planet Earth has a box. 
So when the aliens swing by this part of the galaxy, they go, want to stop in at Earth? And the guy says, people on Earth, they have, they, they're using G5, 5G, you know, it's not good for your health or whatever. You know, the aliens know that the Earthlings have weird little boxes and they just go, God, the Earthlings, God, the boxes. So, okay, so you get this picture of how, and, and it's not perfect like that. It's like, it's kind of, it's more complex than just completely perfectly nested. But to have the understanding or the, to, get the, to get the idea that these boxes have this powerful influence on what you can do and what you can't do, what you can be and what you can't be, and, and to make the distinction between your being and your box, this is a huge door opening for being able to not be hooked and also create possibility for yourself and for others. I just keep reading the reading. reason I'm reading all this stuff is because I want to get to the point where it's a kind of a package about the box and so we can talk about it. The diagram of the layered boxes is simplified to clearly indicate that we live in boxes within boxes. Interracial and intercultural issues become far easier to understand and approach when they are reduced to the clarity and the laws of box technology. Many conflicts become transparent as soon as you know that the first purpose of the box is survival, and the box can have other purposes, such as evolution, transformation, expansion. In reality, the relationships between nested boxes are never so cleanly mappable as suggested in the diagram, and neither are the boxes themselves mere quadrangles, as shown in the diagram. Boxes have milliards of elegant and sophisticated interfacing surfaces and angles, as will be investigated later in chapter seven called edge work. Of importance is to recognize that no matter how twisted the relationship between boxes is, and no matter how irregularly shaped the boxes are, they are still boxes and subject to the laws of box technology. The first law being, you have a box, you are not your box, and neither are they. Neither is the other person their box. So try this, you know, try walking down the street. The next time you're walking down through the street, your box is always scanning. You are scanning other people's boxes. That a, is that an enemy? Are they gonna hurt me? Or is this a male or female? Or is this a possible partner? Is this a possible client? Is this somebody who's a, a, a drug addict or somebody who's just in, insane? Are they crazy? Are they gonna hurt me? How far do I have to, how close can I walk to them? How far can I walk to them? So you're, you're ongoingly scanning all the people on the street, maybe even without knowing it. Just to, just to survive, just to be okay walking down the street. You've learned to do this long ago, you, you're, and you're good at it. This next time, when you, it's great to do this in partners with two people. Go sit down there. Just sit there and, and start commenting, commenting to each other about the people's boxes. So you can go, gosh, this box was, is shut down at two years old. 
something happened when this person was two years old and they are locked down there. You can see by the way their shoulders are, how stubborn they are, their jaws, they're stubborn. You can't make me, I'm gonna do it my way. This is a two-year-old lockdown. Or you can see something, something happened to this person at six years old where they started to try to shift into, away from their mother and into relationship to the world. Six, seven years old, something happened and it stopped. And they're, they're not even really connected with the world. They're contexted in their mom, in their family. So you can, you can scan for all these things, start to notice the difference between a person's being and their box. And notice how the being's expression and experience of the world is completely defined by the structure of their box because they're trapped inside. The, here's an interesting thing, which is if you scan somebody and you cannot see their box, it is possible that they have, have more matrix than you do. It is possible that they're, see matrix is the stuff that's built into our being that catches the distinctions and allows us to be aware and conscious. And so you can scan people, you can, see, you can detect people who are like less conscious than you, who have less distinctions, who have less freedom of movement than you. When you see somebody who you can't scan, go, go talk to them. Because this is what I do. If I can scan people, I don't, if I see somebody I can't scan, I go, whoa, what's that walking down the street? I have not yet found a vampire. So just don't worry about that. You know, it's not like some demon walking down the street camouflaged as a human being. You know, it's not an alien or something like that. I have, well, I haven't found any. But if you see somebody who you can't scan, just make a little detector buzzer go, okay, I'm going to go talk to that person. I'm going to go find out what they're up to, what's going on. Clinton? Yes. I have a question or something about that. It's, uh, I guess it has to do with, linearity that I wonder if I've had this experience with you as an example you have a lot more matrix than I do in most areas that I can detect and then there are some areas in which I can see your box that I in most areas I can't but in, in some areas I can and so I wonder about like the linearity of the box or the structure of the box having different levels and how that works or how you see that working. Yeah, thank you. It's exactly what I was talking about before when I was saying that the box isn't square. The box is this complex, sophisticated, multidimensional thing that interacts in different ways. So it, you described it perfectly, but that's what I was trying to say with the diagram, that it is not accurate in terms of reality. It's accurate in terms of understanding the layers of boxes like that. But yeah, it's totally accurate what you said. Do you have another question about it? I mean, I, you already know what you just said. Do you, is there a question about it? Um, well, the question that was coming up earlier for me was about the concept of compatibility and wondering if compatibility is a box strategy for like defending against intimacy. And like, I mean, it, it is related, it, it's related, but the two questions kind of came at different times. I remember 
there was a time in my life in my 20s, I think, when I thought that I knew the characteristics of a woman that I wanted to, to or be with. I thought that as an idea. And maybe you have thought that too, that, oh, if I, had, if, if I could only meet somebody with these characteristics, we would be compatible. And then, then we could live happily ever after. Did anybody ever have that? This compatibility thing, yeah. And and I think it took a while to for me to have enough experience of the illusion or delusion of that concept, because no matter how complete my list was or how intently I was around searching in interesting places for the right person whoever I ended up with had, had nothing to do with my list or my plans. It was, it was completely out of my control or random. It was an accidental, it was always accidental how I, I ended up being with different people. Did anybody ever notice that? How it's like an accident? Anytime you end up with somebody, it's really an accident. Now I know there's some people who, who go online and do the dating platforms and claim that they found their perfect partner or something in a dating platform because they filled out this 20 page questionnaire and it matched them with somebody who fit them perfectly. So I'm just suspicious of their story, that's all. I'm suspicious of what was really going on in terms of um, the outcome of their finding their perfect partner. I don't know if you guys all have stories and I'm not and not so interested to go there in this conversation. But, but the compatibility thing really depends a lot on purpose. The compatibility for what? You know, is it compatibility? Is it financial compatibility? Is it, is it restaurant compatibility? You know, is it, is it sexual compatibility? Is it um, uh, time and space compatibility in the box? box preferences, it's all, compatibility is a concept that has a lot to do with the boxes preferences. So preferences are, are purely manifestations of the box. And again, if you let the box choose, it will have a purpose of survival, which means keeping things the same. So I've said it before, I'll probably say it again, but this thing about trying to be compatible with another person is a, another kind of prison to be inside of. So I shape myself by trying to act as if I'm a nice person, an interesting person, a wealthy person, a funny person. I behave according to something that I think somebody would choose me for. You know, somebody would, would find me. I mean, I, 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 I lived for a long time in on the outside of Los Angeles, California. And if you if you watch people cross the street, they cross the street with this little fantasy world in the back of their mind going, maybe there's a movie director in the car that stopped at the red light and they're scanning the way I walk it for they could take me into the next movie as one of their actors or actresses. Does anybody ever have that? You ever it's very common in Los Angeles. I mean, in, and I remember I was there one time 
there was a, a point in my life where I, I looked something like Jeff Bridges or something. And I was walking with this guy across the street in Hollywood. We were trying to get a, a band a contract with a producer. We were just walking across the street and people were, they would just look at me with this very weird look like, is he somebody? Is he one of those movies? Is he one of those movies? There's such a weird feeling. It's this whole Los Angeles, Hollywood fake weird shit going on. It's just bizarre to have people relate like that. Cause the other guy looked like my producer and I was the star and we were crossing the street together and people were turning their heads going, is he, you see that guy? And it's just a weird thing. So this compatibility thing, the thing that I find is most interesting, I'm sure I said this before, <clears throat> has to do with the earth coincidence control office and making myself like doing whatever it takes to take on a new shape, a shape that has an interesting use for the earth coincidence control office to put me with somebody else that has served something greater than my box to serve something greater than my box. And I think we'll get there pretty soon eventually with the, with the book about the evolution of relationship from, from living in our parents' bubble, moving through a series of steps to being uh, in the world as being able to serve something greater than your mere survival. It's an evolution of relationship that goes that way. So, so if, you be, if you have a shape that is not so formulated by your boxes requirements for survival, if you, if you learn, if you disregard or abandon standardized approaches to problems or opportunities, if you, if you, like, that's what this is about. If you become, if you, if you let your being loose in the world as an agent of, and as its own agency, like the being in the world functioning in its own agency is, which is evolutionary. The being is evolutionary. The box is protection against evolution. These are two forces. If you, if you take, if you, if you, place yourself in circumstances and go through experiences that like make commitments that change the shape of your being to become have a different use for the earth coincidence control office it will put you together with other people that you would never ever be able to figure out with your box and you let the, you let those purposes prevail you let those purposes prevail instead of the purpose of I will find the perfect partner and live the rest of my life with that person in, in peace and harmony and, and I will die a happy man. So this is, if you let a different fairy tale, like abandon the fairy tale and let a different purpose take over, then there's a way to develop this connection with the earth coincidence control office that has to do with radical reliance, like a kind of radical reliance on the effectiveness and intelligence of, of consciousness at large at work in your life, moving you where you need to go next to serve something greater than yourself. And this is a completely different, you can hardly speak about it in modern culture. It is not spiritual. It is not, it, is, it doesn't have to do with some religious spiritual belief system or anything like that. It's, these are, mechanical laws. This is kind of laws of radical responsibility. So it's about, it's about unleashing yourself 
as this free agent of, of transformational forces, you, you know, because you are all edge workers. You're already an edge worker. So taking the next step over the edge into being a, uh, an, an, a, a space through which your bright principles can do their work in the world or a space through which your archetypal lineage can do its work in the world and then um, and committing to that and developing, preparing yourself to do the jobs that come on the bench, whatever they are, doing whatever it takes to be able to, to do the jobs that land on your bench this this makes you more interesting for Earth Coincidence Control Office, and it'll move you all over the place to do to have a more amazing life than your box could ever figure out. So this is the this is the thing that I empower people to do, or as much as I can, or share with people. And I really uh, have so many stories and evidence in my own life, and maybe you do too. That this is a different worldview from the one handed down from modern modern society about relationship and what's the purpose but it's this the purpose of letting your box prevail is mere survival it's such a diminished uh life experience it's such a diminished um, relationship to the world at large and it doesn't have to be that way we are designed to be these free evolutionary transformational agents and to, to be at work in the world and to serve the village and serve each other. And, and everyone has talents and knacks and special skills to call forth and make use of. And um, so, but you can't even begin that journey. You can't even expose yourself to those forces if you are in the still in the delusion that I am my box. If your box is still making the choices, you got, you're in the prison. There's no, no way out. And even, even though this is early in the journey to make this distinction, that distinction alone is so huge in terms of being different from the modern culture thoughtware, the standard human intelligence thoughtware. It's very, very different. And, we throw the word around box and gremlin. We throw it around like it's what milk and honey. I don't know. We throw it around like meat and potatoes. It's just an ordinary word once you become accustomed to working in the, some upgraded thoughtware. But as soon as you start, if you mention the word box to, you know, a policeman or a, a governor or your parents or your neighbor or something, it just there's it's a it's a huge gap the difference between the set of distinctions that you have so uh, but it, just because just because other people are not using a distinction doesn't mean you cannot just because someone else is not using a distinction it doesn't mean you cannot use it so you can use all these distinctions even though other people are not using them and create results that other people cannot create. And in fact, if you have a distinction and if you can implement a distinction that somebody else cannot, they become your client. They are your client. If you can implement a distinction that somebody else cannot, they are your client. And you just, all you need to do is sell them that possibility. Would you like to be able to do this? Would you like to be able to distinguish the gap between you, your being and your box and to be able to slide sideways through that gap 
into different spaces of intimacy, yes or no? Would you like to be able to do that? And if they would like to be able to do that, that one distinction will fill up your workshop about relationship and, and communication skills. It will fill up your, your um, online, your, your workshop or your talk. It will just fill it up. So yeah, so I hope you do it. Let me just uh, finish this section and then we'll talk again. In the map of boxes, boxes come in layers. In the map of boxes come in layers. There is one box that is distinguishable from all the other boxes. This is the box of the individual person. It's the one at the center of the map, the one at the beginning. This one box, your box, the one you have, the being that's in that box, this one box is unique in all the world of boxes because the thing inside of it is the only thing that can take responsibility. No other you know, viewpoint than, than can take responsibility. For this reason, when I refer to the term box in this book, I will be speaking only about the box of the single individual human being because that single individual human being is the only thing that can take responsibility. Like it or not, you, you, the thing in you that can take responsibility is also the thing that bears the consequences. Now, the box itself is a dead thing. It's a machine designed to defend you. If it reacts with being offended, if it reacts with being afraid, um, it doesn't change. Your box does not change. So if somebody, if you know, some people surround themselves with eggshells, do you know what I mean? They, they make it so that you, there are topics that you cannot approach with them, the things you can't do with them. You have to be careful not to offend them. If you don't offend them, nothing changes. If you do offend them, nothing changes. Because the thing that gets, that reacts, is a dead mechanical machine. So for that dead mechanical machine to shift, its structure has to shift. And there needs to be, that only happens in a transformational space with the box going through a liquid state where in the liquid state time, the person loses their identity, et cetera. We'll talk about that. But so, so the, your being, the thing inside the box, that one, that one thing, that's the thing that can take responsibility. So this is the thing that either sustains or chooses not to sustain any of the other boxes at work in the world. Clarification about this one being that can take responsibility is motivating towns in America, such as Point Arena in California to pass a resolution to end corporate personhood. This is the law, a resolution of the town. You can also have that resolution in your nanonation. So in the nanonation of Possibilica, corporate personhood does not exist. That is because a corporation is a game world and the game world cannot take responsibility. A corporation is an organization. It is a, a group. And a group cannot take responsibility. The only thing that can take responsibility is this single person. So there's this 
town in Point, Point Arena in California, they're making the resolution to end corporate personhood, meaning that the law no longer recognizes corporations as responsible entities. You know, it's impossible for a corporation to have take responsibility. It's an insane concept. Then directors of a corporation are held personally responsible for the actions of their organizations. <laughs> instead of being able to hide behind the fictitious corporate identity and being too big to fail and getting bailed out by America's uh, fake cash flow. All right, um, the next section is this 18 standard boxes, but I just wanna open the stage here. What, let's talk about this. Anybody have anything coming up about the whole box thing? Habet. Yeah, I'm wondering, I have a question. I'm wondering um, if my box or gremlin chooses a partner and then again, my box and gremlin destroys me or the relationship and both, let's say. Uh, I wonder who's grieving. I wonder like, um, I when I feel sad or a loss or, uh, uh, yeah, that, that I, that, yeah, that something went wrong, let's say, who's doing that? Is that again, my box and gremlin and it's actually nothing changes. It's just the repetition of the same thing. Isn't it amazing? The, the thing to, to think about this is what is, how does the box define normal? Where did the box get its definition of the one right way or how it should be? The way it should be for you to survive, and a lot of it is duplicating the environment that we are in when we are young or children. So if we're in an environment in which it, things don't work out, when we, we have to be sad, we have to grieve, the parents around us are always talking about, God, it didn't work out, they are sad, they are grieving. And that we put that in, in order to survive in that environment, we make it normal to be sad and to have things not work and to grieve. We make that normal. And then when we leave that environment, we take our box with us. And our box is so good that it can scan a group of 300 people at a party and in five or 10 seconds, pick out exactly that person who will create with us a relationship in which things will not work out, we can feel sad and we can grieve that it's not working and we get destroyed by it because that's normal for the box. And that is such an intensely powerful uh, uh, indication of how, how influential the box is in our world without having being aware of it, the box will duplicate ongoingly for the rest of our lives, that thing in which it survived. It will duplicate that environment in which it survived before. And even if it's horrible, even if it makes us into a drug addict or a, a, a politician you know, or a banker or something, you know, it will, it will do this to us to the degree that it will just duplicate the influences that shaped our early life even if it's so painful like you described, even if you would think that would be insane, 
because it has one purpose, which is simply to do the thing, to repeat the thing and keep it the same in which it has already proven to us that we can survive in that. Surviving, in your case, what you're talking about means feeling sad, it does, things don't work, grieving and being, being destroyed. And, and it's a... I have a question. Yes. Go ahead, John. I think that we upgrade our box when we separate from someone with our like, new consciousness or new matrix. There is no grieving. I'm not sure you might be mixing two things together. When, when you're, you're asking about grieving when somebody dies or you leave someone, someone leaves you, and the grieving function, and you're asking if that actually causes a change in the box. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I don't think so. I, when someone leaves or dies or we leave, there's this a vacancy. There was a thing that was docked onto us with that person. So we're docked onto all these people. And hold on one, just one second. That, that we're docked onto this person in a certain kind of way where, where we, come, we become familiar with it. It becomes normal. And then that person leaves. Suddenly they, they're gone or we leave them or they die. There's this there's this unmet set of conditions in our, and for, to, to, for, for, the, for us to get accustomed to that gap being there, it takes a period of grief, a, a grieving time. And it's different from just ordinary sadness or even emotional sadness. It's a specific form of procedure <coughs> for, uh, I've heard, when you study Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and her, her map of her five steps to change, we have a website about that somewhere. It's about that even if, for example, if you're in a relationship, I've heard about this, that you are in a relationship for three years, then if the relationship ends, it, it takes three months of heavy duty grieving for, for you to, to get normal again. That, to allow yourself that much space and time of seriously grieving the thing to accommodate the new con conditions or new circumstances. Does that help, Joanna? Yes. That, okay. So you get it? It doesn't change the box, really. It doesn't improve its design or anything. Yeah, so it's like um, from Habet's question, is there... So it's, there's a difference of the box grieving and uh, the bot's normal strategy of picking the person and then making it happen like it's a grieving process, but actually the box strategy not to be in relationship. And then there's other thing that is grieving sadness consciously. Let me give you a different example. <laughs> Let's say that it was in Habet's situation that your box finds people that destroy you, that leave, that make you sad, and the thing doesn't work, and, and it keeps doing that. And you recognize this mechanism of your box, 
as a survival strategy and you you make a new decision. Essentially, you redesign your box. You go through a liquid state, your identity of having it be that way falls away, that your the whole thing, uh, then your the, the thing in your box that fabricated or, or formulated the, uh, the outcome that you got is no longer there. You have a new identity, a new, a new relationship to the world. You will have to grieve the loss of your old identity. It's almost like, it's, it's almost as like you go to a funeral for yourself because you're, and if it's not okay, that's why it's so important to get, be able to feel, we'll get into this. But if it's not okay for you to feel sad, you will not evolve. You cannot evolve because you will not be able to grieve the loss of your old self. So, so you will, in the evolutionary process, you will, from time to time, and, and possibly more often than you would think, you will need to grieve the passing of your old person. And sometimes it's even appropriate to make a little gravestone and have a, 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 an actual uh, funeral, a burial ceremony for that part of yourself that no longer gets your, uh, that no longer runs your life. And it, then you, you respect it and you put it in the ground and it drifts away into the past and some whole new way of relating to the world and relationship and other people emerges through the grieving process. So that if that's what you're talking about, then the grieving is a side effect of, a, of an authentic evolutionary change in the design of your box. So that it doesn't produce, it does not continue to produce the same consequences. And you know, what's so cool about this universe is that it's radically responsible. And what that means is the results don't lie. And if you wanna know if you have changed, look at your results. Look at the feedback that you get from your friends, your circle, your team, your allies, your, the other edge workers. You need this team around you giving you ongoing feedback and coaching because only when that feedback changes, have you changed. You get that? And it could be surprising. Like all of a sudden it happens to me sometimes. I get start getting new feedback from people, a different kind of feedback and I go, oh, something, something has changed because the feedback is changing. So I can reflect on that. I can look back and go, gosh, that it was worth going through this because something has is changing new feedback and different feedback is coming like that. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. Clinton, I have something. Door. So you're talking about that we can take responsibility. Only I can take responsibility, but still there, I think there is the need of groups to take responsibility. And I was talking, for example, I was talking in the, in the lab with Aunt Chloe and I said, we need to take responsibility also for the cows. We're talking about like the milk and thing. And she said, we can take a responsibility only I. And also, I, I'm, I want you to, if you can talk more about it, because I, I don't like see it, how we transform that responsibility from one to the other. Because like, for example, in Vendetta, in the movie that we saw, V for Vendetta, there was a, an effort from, from the main guy to transform this responsibility. 
So how does it happen, actually? From I to we. I think that if I, I personally had a grip on, if I had clarity about that, we'd be living on a regenerative culture planet with 100 million nanonations right now. Because, because this is the planet I want to live on. And this is the planet I think we're designed for and that we're capable of. But there's no more nations and no more governments, no more big governments. There's 100 million nanonations around the world in self, their um, local authority, regenerative cultures in a in an interchanging relationship with each other, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't have an answer for that in terms of what I, what I think is that the way that I becomes we in terms of responsibility is through the morphogenetic field. And what that means is it has to do with this, this, this graph that you see sometimes about early adapters and there's the early majority and then there's the majority. When a new idea comes in, somebody has to invent it, the innovator. The innovators come out and they invent a new thing. Well, it doesn't, nothing happens. Nothing happens and it doesn't matter. What really is important is the early adapters. It's the few people who see the new idea and go, this is cool, I'm in, I'm doing this, and they just switch. And, and then those are the people that the, the early majority people see. Because if it's one guy out there doing something really wild, you know, Tesla or whatever, you know, people just go, is he's crazy. He's got no, there's no, there's not enough credibility. There's not enough reality behind this one guy, one person, one woman taking a stand, doing something different. They just think this person is a, a flaw, a fluke. Uh, and so it's not enough mass. But when the early adapter people go along and they start they start making use and having a great time and it works and demonstrating the, the validity of the new invention or whatever it is, the new construct. Those are the ones that have an impact on the morphogenetic field. So the morphogenetic field is created out of each one of our ways of being that shapes the global uh, ethnosphere, the global ethnosphere is created out of every single individual together. And the ethnosphere, this morphogenetic field, when that changes, other people pick it up without, without even having to hardly think about it. I mean, it's easy to, to I, I was born before there were fax, for example. So if you can imagine that, there were no fax machines. Now, Today, people hardly even, don't even use fax machines. You just, but be, and I remember the first time fax machines came around, it was so weird. I thought it was some <coughs> trans, trans, transmitter of matter, a matter transmitter that would, I kept trying to figure out how to fax money. You know, <coughs> I wanted to fax myself like this. <clears throat> really took me a while to get a grip on it. It was just a, a digital copy of the thing. So, oh. So, so, but then it didn't take long before the first people had faxes and all of a sudden everybody had a fax machine like that. It's the emergence of that. So it's just a simplistic, a sim like a simplified way of, of 
understanding how if if the distinction about your being in your box if if you guys for example you guys are early adopters of this distinction of the, the distinction between your being and your box and if you start using that in your relationships and your business and your play you're talking your the videos you make the whatever how whatever you're doing you, you just embody this distinction between you and your box your being and your box and you you let your box freak out over here and you don't you just go my box is freaking out and i'm not for example that will that will start setting up a morphogenetic field that allows other people to more easily think in the new thought layer. So to me, this is how the shift goes from my personal day-to-day -day actions, my thought where my relationships, that, that that is how it shifts from a, um, an I responsibility to a we responsibility. But I still, there's no way that a we can take responsibility. I mean, for example, Greta Thornburg, that's her name, marching in the street and getting people to not go to school on Fridays and to, to stand in front of the government buildings and absolutely refuse to grant credibility to any uh, uh, quote-unquote government official or, or elected official to allow and further degradations of the eco ecologies on planet Earth. And um, this, this kind of we activity doesn't necessarily cause any change in the field because it's a stand for no. It is this against, it is trying to move against. So it's, it's I'm referring back to this discovery by Buckminster Fuller, which I reworded it, we reworded it to say, you don't change things. You cannot change things by fighting the existing game worlds, by saying no, by being against, by trying to stop something. That doesn't really change things. What really changes things, you change things by building the new game worlds that make the existing game worlds irrelevant. So that's saying yes. That's building the new model and stepping in and inhabiting the new construct. You build the new construct, you move in, you inhabit it, you have a fantastic time. The results are amazing. And pretty soon people go, how did you do that? You go, well, yeah, well, I'm, I'm using new thoughtware. New what? Yeah, new thoughtware. It's, it's what you think with. What do you mean what you think with? And you start talking about the distinction of thoughtware and then you start distinguishing between your being and your box. So this is an action towards, and it makes this a, a new possibility possible that others can follow, and that sets up the morphogenetic field in the global ethnosphere. And that, I think, is what you guys are all doing together, even here. Jeff Shub, Shub has his hands up. Go ahead. I'd like to, I'd like to share um, a little matrix and propose some possibilities. So, with, uh, with innovators, one of the biggest um, failures, which you touched on, is they, they're thinking that they're the ones that are supposed to spread the message out to the world about what they're doing. And they, uh, they forget that the power is actually in the people that they empower to tell other people. And, and so what we do a, a lot in our work in, in consulting is we actually 
embed memes, which are really thought, different thought maps that force people to, either, to pick one or the other. And so if you can embed your meme into the environment in a certain way, then you can actually, um, you can not only give people the opportunity to make a selection, but you can give them a tool to empower other people to make a, to make a choice. Can you, so I don't know if we can go from item. Jeff, can you give a, I don't know if we can go from item. A precise example. Yeah, sure. So, absolutely. So you can take any of your thought maps and you can actually tape, tape it to the wall, or we can come up with a, with some saying about um, how terrible it is to abuse animals for the sake of taking their milk or their meat. And you can paste it on the wall, on the refrigerator. You create a, a meme, not a not a paragraph or or a, or a memo, but an actual visual tool that helps people to make a choice, and to create more distinctions around what they're actually doing and consuming these products. And then that they can take a they'll take a photo of it and they'll share it. And this is how social media works and memetics in general. Um, and so people. Again, innovators think that it's their job to tell the world, but it's actually their job to empower others to tell the world about what they're doing. And, and it's a, this is a big distinction that has helped us you know, transform cultures in, in, in businesses. So this, this is a mimetic. I'm not sure we can see it. Well, it's, it's on my... What does it say? Can you... It says, the more perspectives... read it? It says, the more perspectives I see, the further I see. And it's, in, it's embedded into an image, and it creates the opportunity to spread. So you can talk about diversity and inclusion all you want, but people are going to always default back to their box and to their normal. But if you embed this into the environment, then you, you literally give people the different water to swim in. Uh, you change the water. And that creates the possibility for change. Cool. Thank you. I want to let people know that the, that the hour and a half of straight study time has passed and we're in the uh, adventure stage of sharing stuff. So anybody who needs to go, thank you for coming. And if anybody wants to stick around for just exchange part, then you're welcome. We'll go for another 20 minutes or something. Thanks. Who else has got something cooking? Clinton. Go ahead, Vicente. Hi, Clinton. Um, I was looking in the picture of the map of the boxes coming layers, and it occurred to me that uh, yeah. all these spheres or boxes they are like social order boxes, like, like they, they arrange the, the, all the, the, the laws and stuff. And also they are layers that we can blame off. Oh, the blame is the relationship. The blame is on the family. The blame is on school. The blame is on social political party. And actually, uh, when we look for what's to blame, it seems to me that it's the, it's the, the whole box technology itself it's not the spheres it's the technology itself because it's a survival strategy so when we have to survive uh on a very harsh environment it will always create harsh boxes so i i think that what we need to do is like always 
try to build uh, other environments, other other constructs to live in inside. So that's what I've been listening. I, I don't know if it, uh, it, it's correct to assume that. Yeah, go. This is this totally, I think, you know, Vicente, I know you for a little while as a researcher. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Yes. So I, I encourage you to pl please keep researching. Please keep going. I think it's a fantastic direction to go in. What it made me think about was how, I mean, further on right now, we'll talk about expanding your box. Because when you can expand, there's, when you expand your box, you include more reality and you keep expanding your box and expanding your box and you identify and include more and more and more and more. And as after a while, you're essentially, you're including everything. Basically, you're including there's nothing that's not in your box in a way. And it, so that's one, it's one way to go. That's one of the things that happens in this work. Another thing that happens in this work is you gain a visceral distinction. It's a distinction that's in your energetic body that you can, for, it's similar to making your center when you know when in your energetic center is placed, when you place it on your physical center that all of a sudden you have this experience of being centered. And it's a different experience of when you're center, you give it to somebody else, you give it to the future, you give it to a concept, you give it to your mother, you know, you give it to society, you give your center away to authority figures. It's very different from having your center, your energetic center and your physical center and being centered and having a grounding cord in your bubble, for example, of personal space. So in the same way, you can <coughs> distinguish, you can, you can declare, we have the capacity Claire, shrink your box down to a 10 centimeter cube in the palm of your hand. And, and then all of a sudden, the whole box technology, the whole, like you said, the problem is the box in a way, the way the box is dedicated to survival, to being right, to having it go the same way, keeping things the same and believing in things and all that. That thing then is in the palm of your hand and all of a sudden you're exposed without this rigid or familiar protection mechanism around you. I'm, this, is, this is a relatively, you know, I just jumped 200 pages ahead in the book, something like that, but it's possible for you to practice and use your clicker and shrink your box down to a 10 centimeter cube in the palm of your hand and relate with other people, relate with problems, relate with the present, relate with what's possible with the other person right here and now it's as a being without your box in the way. And a, an entirely different way of speaking emerges, an entirely different framework or values priority emerges. And that new values priority is, is powerful enough to subvert modern culture it makes modern culture irrelevant to such a degree that it freaks people out because modern culture is this reality framework 
that we think is so important because of our upbringing. But in fact, it's a, a, it's a delusion machine to protect us from the reality of death, for example. It's a way to distract us from the fact that we're going to die, for example. And, and so, so when you have a being-to-being -being connection without the box mechanism running your show, all of a sudden, the, the distraction mechanism is not necessary anymore. You have a completely uh, a new un, and um, simple yet profound and, co and complex. Well, it has a far fewer needs and, and far more possibilities. So that's how it's more simple and more complex at the same time relationship with the world when your box is shrunk, shrinks down. So, so your question goes in that direction. I, I hope you keep investigating. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else, something cooking. I'll Jeff, hold on just, Jeff, hold on just a second. Second, let me see if there's somebody else. Horatio. Yeah. This is not um, tied to the subject of today, but I feel it's important for me to to uh, go back to two weeks ago when what was stirring for me. If, I don't know if you remember that or not, but two weeks ago uh, something was stirring up for me that. I felt was sort of devastating. And so over this time, I think that I've um, sort of alchemically distilled it down into a question for myself. And uh, for me, it's um, what is my responsibility for being in this forum? And um, Obviously, I come back week after week because it holds value to me. And because it holds value, that implicitly means that there's a cost involved. And so um, this reminds me of uh, many, many years ago, I was um, traveling through Europe, basically living out of a car that I had purchased, purchased in Portugal. And um, I was having a great time. But one day I was at a uh, coffee shop eating a shrews and a, uh, an espresso. And it dawned on me that I had bought that trousseau and, and bought the coffee, but I hadn't paid for it. There was nothing connecting me personally to the experience of eating that shrews. devastated me in the same similar way as two weeks ago. And I think this is what came up. And so from that, I realized that there's a huge difference between buying something and paying for something. Um, and so it challenged me in the sense of, okay, what, how, you know, cause here I am traveling, having these experiences using money but how am I going to pay for this trip? How am I going to pay for this experience? And so anyways, to cut a long story short, I, short, I um, 
I decided that whenever I was in a restaurant or whatever, I would uh, I would pay for it by writing, and that's what writing I writing what writing whatever came up. A lot of times it would be okay. I'm sitting at this restaurant and I don't know what to say, and blah di da, and then it'd be like. I'd say, I don't know, maybe 85, 90% of the time, it would be like, oh, but wait a minute, yesterday I was thinking, and then it would just go off from there. So in the end, I mean, I would edit it, and then <clears throat> at the end of it, literally what came out for me was, was pure gold. So in the sense, I was paying myself. But another part of this, which I'd like to bring up, is... Um, is that you obviously take time out of your busy schedule to hold these, these meetings every week. And um, so the Maori um, would have a phrase, they go something like, uh, and the only reason I bring that up is because the Maori really taught me the importance of acknowledging <clears throat> acknowledgement has no flattery involved with it. Acknowledgement is a calling forth of ideas, inanimate objects, concepts. Um, uh, nomadic engineers from across the sea. Um, it's a bringing forth into awareness by the acknowledger, making a connection, a very intimate connection with whatever is brought forth. It's a calling into awareness. And so as part of this responsibility, I want to acknowledge you um, and Aunt Chloe, Chloe and everyone that's involved in this forum I want to acknowledge you, bring you forth into awareness in present time and, um, and make that connection. So I wanted to say that. Payment in full. Thank you. The I, I also request as part of the uh, payment that you send me the Maori quote and the translation to English if you can by WhatsApp or email or something. I don't have your email. How do I do that? Clinton at nextculture.org. How you get it is ask for it. <laughs> Clinton at nextculture.org. Actually, if you could put it on the WhatsApp, I, I'd like it too. I'm not sure I'm on the WhatsApp. If he sends it to me, I'll put it on the WhatsApp. Thank you. And hurry. So the way you get on the WhatsApp is you ask for it. Oh. <laughs> May I be put on the WhatsApp? Yes. Please send us your phone number. Or please tell me your phone number. Now? Yes. There is no other time than now. 772. You forgot the plus one, right? Uh, yeah. Seven seven two. Three two one. 
Sorry, three, two, one. Three, two, one, seven, zero, six, nine. Got it. What's your last name? It, it is. It is it, I. That is, that is a, a, uh, it's a long story, but that's. Next. <laughs> so I appreciate you bringing up this consideration wildly different, but maybe not from what we were previously engaging because the, in my, in my world, the paper stuff is, is so, is free. Really the paper stuff is free <laughs> and the cup of coffee is not. And so it's, you know, you hand people this, this weird stuff, you know, this is, this is called, these are called euros, They're, you know. And if you hand people those things here, they, they will give you stuff, like really stuff. And it's just, it's, in a way it's wrong, like you said. Because if you figure out a way to get the, the free stuff, the, the paper stuff, people without even thinking about it will give you real stuff for, for fake stuff. And so how do you pay for it? How does one pay for it? And so one of the ways I pay for it is doing the study group here on Monday nights, even though I've just done 10 days of straight, you know, lab and expand the box training. And in the next days I'll do an, another five day intensive transformational training. And it would be really smart to take my girlfriend out to a cafe and watch the sunset over the Portuguese Atlantic Ocean. That would be really, a, you know, a, a good use of my time at this. So, but by doing this space, by holding and navigating this space as a service, I'm, I'm paying back for what was done to me, what was done for me. You know, who grew the wheat that made the little sandwich I had for breakfast this morning? Those, the farmer guy and the, the lettuce and tomato and cheese and all that stuff was in my sandwich. Those guys did that. And so in this network or network, I'm, I get, in a way, I get paid. I am paid by working. So in a way, this work itself, the transformational work, the work is the payment I get, I get to, that, I, that I get to do this work is my pay. Mark. I have a request. What, you want me to give you some of these paper things that, are, that don't mean anything? Just joking. That's another request. <laughs> My request is um, to copy the comments and create a file and attach that file with the recording when it's posted. I think there's information in there that is useful. And I'm noticing going through the recordings that it's not available because there's no video. There's no way to call that up from the recordings. Does that make sense? It does. And on my phone, I don't know how to record the file either. I could do it if I was on my computer, but I'm on my phone today. And I don't, I don't know how to copy the comments file on my phone. Okay, I know the comment file is copied. I know it's saved for each one, and I don't know where or how. And Chloe is basically the technical agent behind that. She does that magic. So we'll check it out. Thank you. Thank you. We have a couple more minutes. Uh, and Jeff, you had your hand up. Did you, you want to go back to whatever? Do you still have that fish on the line? Yeah. I, uh, just to add to uh, Habet and 
um, uh, I think it was Joanne, Joanna's statement about uh, grieving and, and loss. And I thought to when I started to shift in my life from protecting my box to, to expanding and shedding and, and I, I, I can recall so clearly moments in time when I would either read something or hear something or be in, a, in connection with someone and have a realization. And I would just weep because I observed one of the walls of my box for the first time and was able to say goodbye and like sort of push it over and let it just fall. And, and the, the weeping is almost like the way that that wall just like disintegrates into nothing. And, um, I just wanted to, to comment on that because I don't, I don't know if that's grieving, but, uh, in some way you, you, you do some physical process by which you, it's, you sort of, uh, manifest in physical form, the energetic sh- shift within you and I, I always found that to be very special so it got it got to a point where if I didn't cry I wasn't uh, I didn't feel like I did enough um, which was very it's a very became a very special connection for me yeah thank you this is this liquid state that is so central to a change process any change process needs to include this liquid state or there there's no change in reality there's no change and so grieving your old identity or letting go of a belief or having an old story or a delusion dissolve that was part of your identity and it took like that that whole each one of those tiny deaths these tiny deaths need the need the liquid state for them to actually for the change to actually occur and again if it's not okay to feel the anger or the fear or the sadness or the joy of the liquid states the change doesn't happen and so this is why it's so important to shift your thoughtware and then shift your skill base to inner navigate the four feelings distinguish them for the four emotions figuring out you know which one it is and what to do with it because the feelings are for handling things and the emotions are for healing things doing the healing process handling and that that is the a gateway the whole universe is open up when we learn to feel so that's where we're headed here also is in the feelings because bringing the feeling communications and the feeling, the shared experiences of the, of the feelings into relationship makes it, Jeff, so that your people around you, they need to know that you're fine, even though you're sobbing away, that it's actually a celebration time. It's, a, um, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's the consequences and results of, of years, possibly, of, of consciousness building, awareness shifting work that's that's emerging right there in front of their eyes and they get to hold space for you and be with you and witness you and celebrate the new Jeff that shows up. And that's um, to include the feelings part of relationship is going to, it's going to be a key to new forms of relating. 
I think we could keep talking for a couple more hours and at the same time, we're gonna say goodbye for now. So please keep experimenting. Callista, you wanted to say something? Go ahead. It was very helpful for me, Clinton, when you held your box and we're talking. And I believe there's a window behind you um, and the moon was shining and there was rays of light the moon and seeing the box, your box in the hand made me realize um, that seeing the being, the being is to me the light, the essence of the person, like the rays from the moon. And the box, it's the rest of the person. Thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, you guys. Hi, Clinton. Bye, everyone. Okay, bye. Thank you so much. Have a great time. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Bye, Kay. <laughs> Hello, Amanda. Goodbye. <laughs> Hello, Scott. <laughs>